0: with something that objects to you, especially when the objection is rather small. Because that's something you can... You say, well, I can put up with it. It's like, fair enough. Like, you don't want to make everything into a war. I usually use a rule of three. If we're interacting and you do something that I find disruptive, uh, I'll note it. It's like, potential dragon. Gone. And I leave it be. And then if you do it again, I think, oh yeah, that probably wasn't merely situational. But I'll leave it be, because that's still not enough evidence. But if you do it a third time, then I'll say, Hey, I just noticed this. And you'll say, "Nah, that didn't happen. And I'll say, Yeah, not only did it happen, but it happened here, and it happened here, and I'm not making this up. So there's something going on here. Like, I'm not ignoring it, and we can get to the bottom of it. And then they'll come up with a bunch of objections about why that isn't necessary, and you push those aside, and they'll come up with a few more objections, and they'll push those aside, and then usually they'll get mad or burst into tears. And if you push that aside, then you get to have a conversation. Right. And then you can solve the problem. But man, it's you got to be a monster. Because first of all, you need six arguments about why their objections aren't going to stop you. And then you have to not be intimidated by the anger. And you have to not be swamped by compassion about the tears.
1: So... Here's what Jordan is talking about. He's talking about arguments and relationships, right? Especially long-term relationships. And this is a big reason, I think, why so many men are walking away, right? Because, like, rather than getting a person who's cooperative, right? Rather than getting a person who says, okay, I was wrong. I agree. Uh, Sorry. How can I fix it? you get a person with pushback fighting back disagreement argument you know crying anger tears gaslighting all of that and that's not that's not conducive to a long-term relationship but the, the people in 2022 that are raised you know, to be selfish, to, to be careless, to, you know, not take into account um, other people's thoughts or feelings or what they care about and only do what they themselves care about. Like, it's endemic, guys, and it's, it's a huge problem. And then you can have a conversation. Oh, and by the way, there's also an implication here that, you know, good relationships are about communication, which I didn't, I didn't talk about. Um, the key to a good, healthy relationship is not communication. The key to a good, healthy relationship is polarity. So when I say polarity, I mean, the man does what men do and the woman does what women do. So the man is superior, you know, he's better than other men. He's stronger, smarter, fitter, faster, more competitive, um, than his partner, um, you know, than his girl. Um, He makes more money. Um, And the girl is fit, feminine, submissive, um, bedroom fun, loyal, and cooperative, right? And they stick to their role. Um, The chores that are done are associated with the gender. So, for example, the cleaning would be done by the girl, the cooking by the girl, mostly, obviously not all, but you get what I'm saying. Um, And, you know, taking out the trash, uh, you know, um repairing stuff you know fixing the car all of that the man would do this is the key hello and welcome to the helios blog my name is helios here for another reaction video if you're new to the channel in the content hit the sub hit all for notifications if you'd like to support me i do have a patreon with exclusive content patreon.com slash the helios blog uh just go there and subscribe to the nebula tier again it's for the content that i can't put on youtube guys um also i'm gonna do a christmas sale so for the next two weeks if you you know have a yearly uh, subscription to my patreon i'll give you 50 percent off um and uh something else um you can also give me a donation like tom m here shout outs to him uh okay let's continue people don't do that they won't do that and so they don't solve the
0: problems and so then the problems accrue Right, and if they accrue over 15 years of a relationship, then they end up fat, ugly, and in divorce court. So, and that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a great outcome. It's, it's, divorce court and cancer are similar in their, in their seriousness. Not always, but, but sufficiently often. So, when that error emerges, it's a, it's a glimmering. Now, you know, we talked a lot about the hierarchical structure of goals, you know. And so here, here's something here's something to think about. So the thing that announces itself as error has a twofold nature. That's because it's chaos and order at the same time. Or it's because it's all the archetypal structures at the same time. It's the dragon of chaos, it's the great mother, positive and negative, it's the great father, positive and negative, it's the individual, hero and adversary all of that manifests itself in the moment of error right the archetypes come forward did you make an error because you're a bad person could be now so so one of the things to think about with regards to that is you know in the mesopotamian creation story
1: he's uh rambling but anyway um yeah he's he's rambling here like no no uh practical uh, mention of solutions to to this uh, polarity thing. Instead, we're going to gobbledygook and creation stories. But okay, although the ancients, right, the the older civilizations, they knew um, about like female nature, and they they knew what sort of behaviors were required of men um, in order to, you know, be the kind of man that women are attracted to, and and that you know that. Uh, they they had stories right to encourage men to become the kind of fighting man that needs to uh, that that is a leader and uh, you know a dominant male in in relationships and in uh, you know that's able to fight in wars and protect his family and ultimately protect his you know village or city state or whatever uh, he was in at the time um, It's why you have so many heroes journeys right like um, the epic the epic of Gilgamesh, for example, and, and so on, right? Like you have, um, and, and there's more. Um, I, I mean, the, the one that I always go to is is The Hobbit, right? Um, it's like there and back again, the, the Hobbit's Tale by Bilbo Baggins, right? The idea being that, uh, you know, he's a nobody and then he kind of goes on this adventure and then he comes back as somebody, right? And that's the kind of person that, that women, like other men want to be and other women want to be with, right? It's, it's kind of how it goes. All right, let's, let's continue.
0: When, uh, when, when Tiamat comes flooding back, it's so interesting, that story. You think about what she does. So she's the archetype of error, let's say, the error that can take you out, that can dissolve you in salt water, <clears throat> tears. Well, she's irritated because Apsu was destroyed, so the, the, the structure is gone. Carelessness has destroyed the structure. Up comes Tiamat. She's not happy. What does she do? She prepares a phalanx of monstrous, monsters, it's exactly what the story says She produces a whole horde of monsters to come at you And she puts Kingu at their head And Kingu is the king of the monsters And later, so he's the ultimate bad guy He's Satan, for all intents and purposes In the Mesopotamian version It's out of him that Marduk makes human beings It's out of his blood that Marduk makes human beings That's a critical issue, man the Mesopotamians said, "Imagine the worst monster you can possibly imagine—the king of all the monsters. That's the blood of human beings."
1: That's about right. Which is which is why humans are capable of such awful things. But of course, that's only the blood. It's it, you know, you have a brain, you have a you know, you you have things that can f- mediate this feral nature, as as it were. And uh, it's up to, you know, men, basically, to tame that feral nature, right? And ultimately, tame, um, you know, nature and, and civilization as, as a, you know, as an extension of that. That's actually a very interesting, that's a very interesting uh, idea there. But yeah, um, so how is this related to divorce, um, if you're unable to tame, like, a girl's feral nature, I think this is what Jordan's getting at, then, uh, it'll lead to divorce. And how do you tame a girl's feral nature, right? Let me, let me give you some practical advice. Um, it's called checking. Don't let disrespectful behavior go unchecked. Um, and I'm going to use some chess terms because I love it. Um, you need to keep the girl in perpetual check. So, um she's not just able to move wherever she wants there is a set um there's a set limitation of moves that can be made because they're in check you see what I'm saying that's the idea not just any behavior is allowed only the behavior that you're allowing through what, you know you're, you're checking her so so here's what I mean um she wants, you know, she mentions that she has, like, uh, some friends that want to go out, you know, like, the implication is that she wants to go on a girls' night out. Yeah, you say, yeah, I don't date girls that go on girls' night out, right? So, there you go. So, this is this is checking. If she then decides to go on the girls' night out, your relationship's over, that's fine. But if she, but she knows what side of the bread the butter is on, Right? If she wants to stay with a man like you, then she follows the rules. It's that simple, right? And if she's not following the rules, no relationship progresses from that point. All right, let's read an article by Roto Tomasi here. We'll come back to this in a sec. Awareness and intent. My good friend DJ Damage had an interesting question regarding last week's post and time-tested classic, Let's Just Be Friends Rejection. Hey, Rondo, would you say that women consciously know what they're doing to their male friends? I mean, let's take the AFC out of the equation for a moment and focus on the woman. When a woman lays the let's just be friends line on her male friend, quote unquote, doesn't she realize that this AFC who's standing before her wanted to sleep with her for the longest time? Doesn't she see anything wrong with the fact that in her eyes, it's not okay for a man to reject the let's just be friends line yet? It's a, it, it, but yet it's okay to string a man along, pepper him with false hopes and some physical contact, and then be surprised when he, when he may want more? Or is it just to accept the fact that women are women and you shouldn't worry about their predictable behavior Brother, rather accept it and follow the rules of engagement? I think it kind of depends on the individual, but to varying degrees I'd think no. As I stated in Playing Friends, the let's-just-be-friends rejection has been so provably time-tested that it's entered into a standardized feminine consciousness. In other words, it doesn't need a formal teaching to understand how it's useful. It's simply demonstrated in so many different ways, media, personal interactions, that it becomes subconsciously learned. 12-year-old girls don't sit around at slumber parties discussing the best best way to deliver a let's-just-be-friends rejection to boys that like them. They learn the convention from TV, their big sister, their mother, etc. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, we're not out here letting our girls have male friends. No male friends. They don't have the their numbers in their phone, they don't message those male friends, they don't uh, visit those male friends. Those male friends don't visit them. They don't hang out. None of that, guys. If we have that, it's it's a disaster. It's because the second that you slip in her eyes, she can replace you with with this backup guy. We're not we're not out here allowing this kind of stuff. Speaking of checking, right? And this is what makes it all the more jarring for a woman to have what's always been a useful social tool explained to them. And of course, the failsafe for it is the risk of social ostracization on the guy's part for outright rejecting her and let's just be friends, making it far less likely an occurrence. Now that said, you're really asking two questions. The second is, does the let's just be friends girl know that the friend wants to sleep with her? I'd say of course she does. Not that any woman would admit it because doing so puts the burden of her being straightforward with him on her. It's plausible deniability. It's far easier to deny what by early adolescence girls know, boys want to sleep with them, than to accept responsibility for leading him on. Bear in mind, attention is the coin of the realm in girl world, but the guy also bears a good amount of responsibility for his own illusions. When you think about it, it's really a self-perpetuating cycle. A guy wants to qualify for a girl's intimacy, girl knows this, but isn't attracted to the guy for the exact reason that he's qualifying himself. Girl should be forthright with a non-interest guy, but still enjoys the attention and affirmation that comes with it. Girl plays quote-unquote friend, and only becomes flirtatious when the attention flow breaks to re-establish it. Guy gets to make a break point, initiates intimacy, and falls back on, uh, and girls fall, falls back on let's just be friends. Guy believes he still needs to qualify more and the cycle repeats. Now, is any of this a conscious process? If a girl says yes, she's a self-serving grand manipulator, and this causes a cognitive self-image conflict. Due to a fear of ostracization from attention, she can't exactly cop to a foreknowledge of the process. But that's Okay. Because there are any other feminine social conventions she can fall back on to avoid this, the feminine prerogative, she can change her mind, being the most useful. Or the feminine mystique, women are a noble, being a close second. If the answer is no, and she's not aware of the process, our social sense of personal responsibility takes over. She's naive or at least immature. However, even in this event, she's also excused from culpability. Regardless of whether a woman is aware of her own motives, it's up to men to see her behavior as the only reliable indicator. As I said before, there are no mixed messages. Women will tell you exactly what their intent is. You just need the ability to read the behavior. As I said before, the medium is the message. The let's just be friends is the message. Women with a high interest level don't get to this point with a guy they want to sleep with. Awareness. I sometimes get critics telling me that what I reveal at Rational Mail is very negative or disproportionately biased against women. I understand that perception, but it's not my intent to do so. I've stated on several occasions that all I do is hold up a mirror, you've got to want to look. And the main trouble with women, and men in some instances, is that after having been immersed for a lifetime in femme-centric, feminine-primary reality, they don't really like what's being reflected back at them. It's a very foreign experience for most women to see the root motivators of their own behavior, so natural reflective response is to demonize the one illustrating them, or really even make an attempt to understand and educate others about them. When the feminine matrix is your most favorable and comfortable environment, it follows that attempts to unplug someone are met with considerable resistance. From moral to the manosphere. When I wrote War Brides, it was in response to men's common complaint of how deftly and relatively unemotionally women could transition into a new relationship after they've been dumped by a GF or wife. I wanted to explore the reasons how and why this functioned, but from a moralistic perspective. It's pretty messed up that due to hypergamy, women have an innate capacity to feel little compunction about divesting themselves emotionally from one man and move on to another more fluidly than men. If I approach the topic in a fashion that starts with, isn't it very unjust or messed up that women can move on more easily than men? Not only is my premise biased, but I'd be analyzing the moral implications of the dynamic and not the dynamic itself. When I explore the Warbride's dynamic, the amoral aspect of hypergamy or any other moralistically uncomfortable dimensions of game, people want to apply their own perceptions of justice and moral sensitivity to what are sometimes very inhumane conditions. I realize that's going to happen. In fact, in the interest of intergender civility, it should happen. But what gets uh, confused in coming to these conclusions is the demonizing of the revelations behind what motivates these dehumanizing realities. We want to hold people responsible for their motivators who have no idea what they are in the first place. Hypergamy has served an evolutionary purpose for the human species. It doesn't mean we have to like it, but it doesn't mean we could ignore its influence, nor does it mean the person revealing it or attempting to better understand it is inherently evil for doing so. It also doesn't excuse us from the consequence of being unaware of it. As DJ Damage asked in the beginning of this post, women for the greater part are unaware of casually or or casually oblivious to the motivations of their own behavior. Recently, some notable uh, quote-unquote red pill women have been making what I believe are sincere efforts to better understand their motivations, as well as the feminine primary social environment that favors and reinforces them. While I'm not sure that they'll want to throw their lot in with the manosphere wholesale, it's at least a small step in the direction of better understanding. All right, back to this thing here.
0: Wow. So what what does that mean? Well, it means that one of the terrible things that lurks, let's say that you've been in a long-term relationship and it collapses. Let's say you were, you know, you had a tendency towards alcoholism. You weren't so great with regards to your drug use. You're not that conscientious. And you had like four or five kind of low-rent affairs.
1: And you know it. This is a disaster. Can you imagine such a such a situation? This is like like the worst possible. Like we're not out here getting into relationships with girls that are using like alcohol or you know other substances or you know they're, they're like cultivating the attention of like hundreds of men online, you know, through Instagram, Snapchat, and um, uh, OF, etc. Like we're not out here doing that. Like why would we? Why would you ever put yourself into such a compromising position? It's idiotic right? Anyway, let's let's see where he's going with this. Your marriage collapses. Bang. Why would you ever even be in a marriage with a person like this? That's my question. Like that, like you could have solved 99% of that situation with partner selection. Like if they have a tendency towards these bad behaviors, you don't get with them in the first place because it's too high a risk to you as an individual actually, the quote I have at the top here is perfect. What people commonly call fate is mostly their own stupidity. Like, I mean, in this case, like if you, if you choose that person and your marriage collapses, like, I'm afraid, like, who do you have to blame, right? Um, something else I wanted to say. Um, the sad part is that some people don't even have the option right? This is the only girl they'd they'd ever gotten their whole life. And they feel like, you know what? I'm just going to risk it because this is is the only person I'll ever have children with. And again, that's because of cultural decay, right? Whereas before, an average man could marry an average woman. Now, like, you can't. So, like, there you go. Because all these average quote-unquote women are, are chasing Chad.
0: Well, who do you first meet when you fall into chaos? You meet King of the Monsters, indeed, and he's you. It's like, why did my marriage fall apart? What did I do wrong? Bang, 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 bang. I did all these things wrong. Why? Because that thing inhabits me. What is it? Well, that's the most horrifying question, right? Well, that's why. So down there in the archetypal space, all these things lurk. The hero and the adversary.
1: You've just met the adversary. right? And the adversary is yourself. That's about right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've also said this in many videos, the, like you need to get out of your own way, right? If you want to be successful in your own life, right? If you want to have good relationships, you know, get better at stuff, you know, be happy, etc. you need to get out of your own way. And by that, I mean, you need to believe that you're actually able to affect some change in your own life and it's not just happening to you. If you believe that life happens to you and you have no effect on the outcome, you're not going to have a good life because you're not going to believe that you can actually um, influence the things that, like, life is going to throw at you, right? Because there are going to be negative things that happen that you need to be able to deal with, right? Um, very interesting. Okay, let's continue.
0: Well, maybe you were a tyrant. That's certainly possible. Possible. Maybe everything around you was chaotic. So what do you encounter when things fall apart? You encounter the adversary, you encounter the tyrant, you encounter the catastrophe of nature And you encounter the dragon of the chaos, and they're all intermingled You have to sort that out, that's what happens to Ellis when she goes down the rabbit hole, right? She meets the Red Queen The Red Queen is always running around, off with her heads, off with her heads And she says, in my kingdom you have to run as fast as you can just to stay in the same place Right? Down the rabbit hole you meet the archetypes. And so... Okay, so back to responsibility. Well, one of the things Solzhenitsyn detailed. You know, he said, well, how do societies go corrupt? He said, it's easy. One little sin at a time. You go to work, someone's lording it over you. You know that they're tyrannical. You don't have the wherewithal to stand up. It's like, okay. You're a slave.
1: Interesting. That would describe 2022 pretty accurately in some jobs, right? Like, but again, why? Why do some men allow themselves to be put in this position of being a slave? Well, here's why. Because if you're married and you have children, you need to have that constant income coming in or else they suffer, right? So when the guy is tyrannical, you're less likely to stand up because what's going to happen if you lose your job? Well, then your wife is going to leave you, you lose your kids as well, right? So, um, they say this at uh, major corporations. They're more likely to hire a married man because um, he's more easy to control, right? He's not going to leave. He's going to need the stable, steady income because he's in that, uh, quote-unquote, ball and chain position, right? And so
0: if you continue to agree to be a slave, you will continue to generate tyrants,
1: right? Indeed. And the only th- ah, this is a powerful uh, concept as well. Let's talk about that for a second. So if you act as a slave, as a person without agency, then you will continue to generate tyrants. So you teach people how to treat you, right? If you allow constant bad behavior, you're demonstrating to people that you have no no spine. And if you have no spine, then people will keep pushing on you and getting you to do as they want. So you don't live your life, you live their life. You're a puppet king. Yep, that's right.
0: The thing that can stop you from doing that, I think, is the right kind of terror. It's like, be careful what you give up. Indeed. Because and that's this logos. Okay, so, so, all right, So that's this logos. The logos is the thing that enables you to mediate between, between order and chaos. And maybe you have to have some faith in that. It's like, well, what should you do if someone is harassing you? Well, you should fight back. Okay, what is that? What's the most effective way to fight back? Well, sometimes it's physical, but that's not necessarily for the best. Maybe it's through articulation. Maybe it's through analysis, right? You want to be sharp. You want to be able to decompose a problem. You want to be able to formulate an argument and a counter-response. And maybe you want to be so good at that that people don't mess with you to begin with. And then you're a perfectly articulate counter-monster, and you never have to take your sword out.
1: That's. Interesting. So what, what is he describing? He's describing like having a, a silver tongue or at least being prepared for the, for the bad outcomes, right? Uh, that's the concept of uh, Teddy Roosevelt, right? He said, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick. So the idea is, um, maybe you never use the big stick, but because you have it, people are afraid to mess with you. And because they're afraid to mess with you, then um, you don't get messed with. So it prevents a lot of problems. Um, so how does this apply to a marriage or a divorce? Well, how does it apply? Uh, if you're the kind of person that the girl knows will check her whenever she does something bad, she's not going to like step out of line very often because she doesn't want to experience the negativity of being checked, you see? So you prevent the problem before it even begins. All right, um, let's go to the relationship advice. Stranded in New York for Christmas, wife drops $5,000 to fly us to Los Angeles, but we live in Seattle. Flight home was cancelled today with no available flights until 1228 We've known this was a possibility for months before booking the trip. We grabbed a hotel and started looking for options to get home, but it is what it is, right? Fast forward several hours and she notifies me we're going to Los Angeles tomorrow, Christmas Eve. Flight cost almost $5,000, plus I got to dish out the remainder for rental and drive 18 hours back to Seattle. If it all goes well, I'm home Christmas night. I'm frustrated. No conversation, it's a lot of money, and we're still missing Christmas. She said, but it's 75 degrees in Los Angeles. I'm not sure de- how to deal with this with her. I'm trying to keep it cool so as to not make a bad situation worse, but I'm concerned how this went down without even a discussion. Yeah, the girl doesn't respect you, dude. No girl that respected you would ever behave this way towards you. So, all right, let's see the top comment. 45. You need to communicate to her that you're not happy about everything was handled. You are both in a situation and she'd both make the decision about getting home. Exactly. 95 upvotes, I don't think I could live with someone who who throws $5,000 of our money without even asking me. Not sure what to suggest as a solution. Uh, 22 upvotes, you're right to be concerned. She made a poorly informed decision that cost a lot of money, but still didn't solve the problem. Problem solving during high stakes situations is a foundation to a healthy relationship. Things here in Seattle are a mess. We got a quarter inch of ice on everything from Portland to Canada. Things are melting slowly, but the passes are going to be a mess. Don't rush coming back because it's just going to add to your heartache. Try to solve one problem at a time. Yeah, this is a disaster. Okay, guys, we're going to end the episode there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. Patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's for the content I can't post on YouTube. Um... I think I'll do a sale as well. Um, if you subscribe for a whole year, I'll give you half off. Uh, just give me a bit of time to set that up. And uh, you could also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Shout-outs to him. Again, guys, If um, th- thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to my stuff, especially if you listen to the end of the video. I really do appreciate it. You guys are wonderful, and I will see you next time.